Hello, my name's Dr. Roger Henderson, and I'm a GP based in Southwest Scotland, and I also co-host the GP Notebook study groups. Welcome to this GP Notebook podcast, where we discuss bite-sized topics aimed at all those of us working in primary care. Now, you can find us on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So do please follow us to receive notifications about new episodes. And if you like what you hear, and we really hope that you do, do please consider leaving a review to help other listeners find us. You can also follow us on Twitter or X at GP Notebook for more information about new podcast episodes and study groups. You can also follow me there too at Roger the Doctor. Finally, you can visit gpnotebook.com for podcast episode show notes and to find out more about upcoming study group meetings. Now, in this episode, I'm going to be discussing the latest NICE guidance on depression in adults. And since the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, NICE, published its last guideline on depression in 2009, unfortunately, the prevalence of depression has increased. And we've all seen this in our surgeries, and particularly among vulnerable adults during COVID. However, again, unfortunately, fewer than half of people appear to be receiving effective treatment, despite the increased provision of psychological therapies and antidepressants, and also increased prescribing of antidepressants. And we continue to treat people with antidepressants despite previous guideline recommendations in offering psychological therapies first. Now, the elephant in the room here is obviously availability of local psychological therapies, but I'm not going to go into that in any great detail today. Now, in this new guideline, depression is classified as less severe and more severe, because in the 2009 NICE recommendations, they were split into mild to moderate and moderate to severe. And this unfortunately left a degree of ambiguity or a gray area for moderate depression. More severe now includes moderate and severe, whereas less severe includes mild and sub-threshold depression. What do we mean by sub-threshold depression? Well, this is defined as just below the cutoff on a validated depression scale for the evidence reviews. So clinically sub-threshold uh, depression is depression with fewer than five symptoms, which nevertheless causes functional impairment. The new guidelines rank the effectiveness of recommended interventions from most to least effective. And so it talks about the most effective being a combination of individual CBT plus an antidepressant. Next comes individual CBT, then comes individual behavioural activation, and then comes medication, usually for a minimum of six months. Now, below these, we have a further range of non-pharmacological interventions, and there are around half a dozen of these. Counselling, short-term psychodynamic therapy, interpersonal psychotherapy, guided self-help, and group exercise. 
So if we look at the less severe depression first, the new NICE guidance says we should be offering talking therapies first line in less severe depression. So the top eight recommended treatment options for less severe depression are all non-pharmacological. And again, these come back to group CBT and behavioral activation, individual CBT and behavioral activation, self-help will support, and group exercise. But again, I have to mention, the guidance doesn't address the issues of long waiting lists or availability of treatments, which as we all know, is a massive problem. I noticed something interesting in the new guidance, which is that there is specific advice not to recommend St. John's wort. Now we know there is some evidence it can be of benefit in mild depression, and many of our patients do swear blind by it. But NICE says we should always be advising patients of the different potencies of the available preparations and of the potential serious interactions of St. John's wort with other drugs. And this is why they are very wary of them. Now, the interactions we should be thinking about are things like anticoagulants, anticonvulsants, and hormonal contraceptives. And we do know that St. John's wort can significantly impact on some of those. There's a new section of recommendation that now talks about considering previously untreated chronic depression. Now, this is a difficult area, I think. And the key points that NICE talk about is for us to be aware that patients presenting with chronic depression may actually not know they're depressed, which sounds counterintuitive, but this is a, a genuine factor to consider, and those people may not have sought treatment before. So if someone has a long history of depression, do not assume that patient is aware that they are depressed. So talk with them about their symptoms. Um, to help them access treatment uh, or services. And if they do have chronic depressive symptoms that are significantly impairing their life and who haven't had previous treatment before, then offer the usual combination, CBT or antidepressants or a combination. Now, NICE doesn't actually rank those recommended interventions if people haven't previously received treatment, but the guidance does note that we should offer CBT that focuses on chronic uh, symptoms and it covers thoughts and behaviours linked to maintaining a depressive state. The guidelines also say we should be looking at measures to prevent relapse. And if we have patients who we think are at higher risk of relapse of depression and factors linked to that include a history of severe depression, recurrent episodes of depression, and an incomplete response to previous treatments. If you do have patients like that, the options that NICE recommend are continuing with antidepressant medications for up to two years and maintaining the same dose of that antidepressant unless there's a good reason to reduce it. And I'm thinking of things like side effects here. Also, look at a course of group CBT or mindfulness-based CBT if you have someone who wishes to discontinue their antidepressants. Next, it looks at building in early reviews and advising on withdrawal effects 
when we are starting antidepressants. And this is becoming much more to the fore um, because we're undoubtedly seeing a slow but steady rise in complaints of litigation about antidepressant withdrawal. So always make sure you've recorded that you've explained the potential for withdrawal symptoms when you start any antidepressant medication. And that's an important point we should all remember. So advise patients about the potential for increased agitation and anxiety and possibly even suicidal ideation in the very early stages of their treatment. And this is essentially based, uh, NICE have looked at this and based the fact on evidence that antidepressant use can be associated with an initial spike in suicidal attempts. If the patient develops marked or prolonged agitation or anxiety, then just review the treatment. There's no specific advice given in this review on which drugs to use, but it does appear that fluoxetine can make agitation worse, whereas metazapine and paroxetine can be more sedative. To be honest, I don't tend to use tricyclics these days because I've got concerns about their long-term safety profile. And also, NICE doesn't advise we routinely initiate treatment with tricyclics anymore. Lefepramine appears to be an exception, but essentially I don't think we should be looking at these um, very commonly now. If you're issuing new treatment for someone under the age of 25, or if you feel there's a particular concern about suicidal risk, then review that person after a week. And that can be face-to-face -face, or it can be by video consultation and always in the early weeks of treatment, monitor any suicidal ideation and let the patient know that they can contact you if that occurs. After you've started the treatment, review two to four weeks later, ideally, um, and we should always tell our patients not to be expecting immediate effect, uh, and that's very important, although NICE specifically don't mention that in this updated guidance. Provide written information for the patient to take away and review. And although, again, NICE doesn't give us specific advice on this point, it does imply that we shouldn't just be re re um, re relying on the leaflet that comes with the medication. And probably the NHS website is the one I would direct my patients to. So as well as the potential for any side effects, explain the potential for withdrawal effects as well if the patient stops taking their antidepressant. And as I say, recording in your notes that you've already done that. Now, advice on withdrawal is now recommended and included in these updated NICE guide guidance. So although antidepressants are still not deemed to be addictive, which is an important point, they are now recognized to produce withdrawal effects in a significant number of patients. So dependence is characterized by tolerance and addiction is associated with additional features like cravings, overuse, lack of control and continued use despite harm from them. So when the time comes for us to be stopping antidepressants in our patients, uh, the NICE guidance now says we should advise the patient to talk to the doctor who prescribed their medication, if at all possible, and explain that the dose should be tapered over time and that most people do very successfully stop their antidepressants with very little problem. 
If you're going to talk to the patient about withdrawal symptoms, explain that these can be mild, they can appear within a few days of reducing or stopping, and they can go away within one to two weeks and don't need specific treatment. But on occasion, those symptoms can last several weeks or even several months, and they can sometimes be severe, especially if the medication is stopped suddenly, which is why tapering is now recommended. So we should also look at the type of antidepressants that are being used. And NICE says that we should be aware that paroxetine and venlafaxine are more likely to be associated with withdrawal symptoms, and so should be looked at a little bit more closely. And fluoxetine's prolonged duration of action does mean it can sometimes be safely stopped over a shorter period. And if you've got someone who's taking 20 milligrams of fluoxetine, for example, a day, then alternate day dosing can give a suitable reduction. And that's something I've been doing for a long time, and I find it works extremely well. Finally, keep crisis team guidelines to hand. So NICE recommends considering crisis resolution and home treatment for people with more severe depression who are at risk of suicide, especially if they're living alone, self-harm or harm to others, and self-neglect. So obviously, again, the elephant in the room, crisis team referral isn't easily available in every area. So it can be helpful to keep the list to hand um, if we're having to refer our patients uh, for secondary care. So I hope that quick overview about the management of depression in adults as a summary of the updated NICE guidance is helpful. And thank you very much for listening. Do have a look at the helpful show notes that accompany this episode at gpnotebook.com and we'd be very grateful if you consider following this podcast and leaving us a review on your favourite podcast platform. Do feel free to get in touch via social media at gpnotebook or email us support at gpnotebook.com if you have any questions, comments or ideas for future podcasts. We'd really like to hear from you. You should also visit us at gpnotebook.com to register for our virtual GP Notebook study groups and download free resources and shortcuts to help improve the lives of our patients in primary care. But until the next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.